The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of myself and my guests and do not reflect those of the Walt Disney Company or anyone else's employers. Gather around, sidekicks! This is a no-protagonist zone! Let's see, we got Sus Ramirez, Perry the Platypus, Hop-Hop? You're more of a kindly elder. What? No, I'm a young, sprightly sidekick. <sighs> Just let him have this. One of all my peeps is your best friend, Remy. He with all these folks you've seen on your telly. We may not be the stars and heroes, but time to expose it. Everyone knows like kicks, kicks, kicks. Are the secret sauce you need inside the mix? Mix, mix. If you're like, how's it lead so cool and slick? Welcome to a special bonus episode of the podcast without a cool acronym. The podcast where we talk about Disney television animation shows. Emerging from finals, I'm your host, Charlotte O'Shea. And also emerging from finals, we have D. Gill. What year is it? And Jonathan Edward. Hello, everyone. Um, so because the next episode is going to be about the Rescue Rangers movie that's coming out in a little less than a week from now i figured it would be fun to do a little bonus episode uh, because they just dropped today as we are recording this recording this on um sunday may 15th uh they just dropped a um broken karaoke short for disney channel where it's a crossover with a bunch of different side uh side characters from different shows uh, so i figured it would be fun to talk about the broken karaoke shorts um, have you guys seen these before today? Yes, I remember the the very first crossover one that kind of broke ground. It was the the Christmas Deck the Halls one with uh, Doofenshmirtz and yeah. uh, Anne and Launchpad. And that was back when Baymax was in the character lineup. Yeah, so, yeah that's I, right. That so this is kind of, iconic. I feel like these shorts are kind of a part of this larger universe of, like, these shorts that they do. That, honestly, they have a lot of fun with them, and I kind of want to do an episode where we cover the, the, um, Chibi Tiny Tales, especially. Is it just have, me or, they have so much or, fun um, with those. Is it just me, or does this kind of nebulous sort of backstage universe where all the characters from all the different Disney shows know each other, doesn't that kind of remind you of the old, like, Cartoon Network bumpers of the city and all the characters doing things in there? Yeah, and it also kind of reminds me of, like, House of Mouse, and mm -hmm. um, I guess really you could t take that all the way back to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Um, but why would we be talking about Who Framed Roger Rabbit one week before Rescue Rangers? Mm. It's a mystery. Yeah. Um, so we kind of uh, went through and watched these shorts again. Uh, Deagle was nice enough to provide a list. Uh, uh, was nice enough to provide a nice chronological list that he watched them in order. Uh, so I didn't quite watch all of them. Uh, there were a ton of them on the playlist, but yeah, I there's watched. Not, there's four. not a whole lot of them. They haven't done too many of these. Mm. Um, I'm on the wrong. I'll be honest. I, I haven't know. seen any of the big city green specific ones just because I'm not. I'm not really into that series as of yet. Yeah, that's it, fair. This is it a cute show. Like, it does feel like big city greens is kind of the anchor of a lot of these. 
Um, just because I think the crew really enjoys doing them. Yeah, they, I feel like, and this is this is no knock to Big City Greens, but from what I can tell, they're like the yes men to the Disney Studio leadership with their Oh, yeah, their show. I've gotten that feeling from them too. Where they kind of just do whatever. They're like, we have ideas, and Disney's like, can you actually make it exactly this? And they're like, yes, we can make it exactly that. I will say with Big City Greens, I haven't seen the full episode, but the one where they go to, like, the animation studio, I've been meaning <laughs> to cover that, but I need to find, like, the right guests to do it. Because ideally, I'd want to get for that one, like, a whole panel of people who have worked on various shows, so... Yeah, I'll have to see about that because that could be a lot of fun. But um, wouldn't it be great if you could get superstar animator and most importantly, Uncle Joey's coffee monkey, Mark Hen, to be a part of it? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, um, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Plus, he doesn't do television animation unless the new stuff on Disney Plus counts. Maybe he's working on that. I don't know. I mean, obviously, at least as of uh, as of March 2020, he's obviously still physically at the studio mm. because I, I we ran into him when we were at the studio <laughs> when i was with uh when i was with tony and luke and dave um with ava moss we ended up running into mark hen uh this is now the uh, mark hen appreciation podcast with a cool acronym yes um yeah so uh i'm a little surprised that um the stuck at home one didn't get more heat from like you know the anti-masker crowd <laughs> but and I've, I've kind of brought that one up before on the podcast i think when we were talking about bluey because we were kind of talking about um the pandemic i think that it is really good that they um made that one to kind of you know not make light of the pandemic because it doesn't make light of it but you know be something that um kids can relate to you know with oh yeah this is what i'm going through too so i think they did good with that yeah i think that was uh, a with, good thing to do uh my biggest notes with um uh what was it stuck at home yeah that's the one uh my biggest notes with stuck at home was that it was it, it was a decent song it's actually covered a song from zombies zombies yeah same thing with uh same thing with like uh Actually, what was Queen of Nice from? I think that was actually from... Uh, uh, that was, yeah, that was from that Queen was of Mean from Descendants. Yeah. yeah, that was Queen of Mean from Descendants. That was a fun one, too. Uh, Tilly Green must be protected at all costs, honestly. She's mm. like she's like Lisa Simpson crossed with Mabel, and she's great. <laughs> I actually get kind of a Gretchen vibe from her from uh, Gre from um, Recess. Recess. That's it. Yeah, a little bit. Mm -hmm. A little bit. I Yeah. She's like... Mabel crossed with Gretchen from Recess, crossed with Lisa Simpson. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the stuck at home one. <laughs> Cricket's like, I don't have to wear clothes. And his family's like, yes, you still do. You still have to wear clothes. <laughs> um, they also did one for Halloween that was where are all the monsters. It's like, yeah, they're all at home because, you know, we're all just eating candy at home because we can't go trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. Now we get all the fun size, all the king size candy bars. <laughs> yes, buy all the king size candy bars. Um, the one that I think is probably my favorite out of all these so far that have come out is the Call Me Mabel one. Yes. That one, because like they actually got Kristen Shaw back, which for a lot of these, you know, they, I mean, they have Dan Pavenmeyer on retainer, obviously, but like, you know, with the sidekicks one that just came out, they really only had like, 
you know, current voice actors do anything. Whereas uh, with Call Me Mabel, they actually got Kristen Shaw back, which, well, I mean, I guess technically she is a current voice actress because uh, she at least was in Amphibia recently. She's in the Bob's Burgers movie, right? Well, she's in Bob's Burgers, mm -hmm. but that's not Disney. But still, I imagine if they're giving her the voice work to do, she's like, all right, I'll do this for a quick paycheck. Why not? This little <laughs> yeah. Call Me Maybe parody. Which, I mean, like, I'm in the booth anyway. Years too late, but also feels exactly appropriate because didn't that song come out in like what 2014? Uh, I want to say it was like 2011. 2011. 12. But yeah, that was. I oh think... no, it was 2012 because yeah, it was like 2011 or 2012. So it's right on the right on the money because I remember when that was coming. Like when that when that song came out, um, there were all sorts of like. You know, the back back when politics was a, a joke that we referenced and not an everyday living nightmare, mm. um, there were, um, and that's probably very privileged of me to say, because for some people it's always been a living nightmare. But, um, but hey, joke gonna joke. Like, this was back when there were like, you know, the epic rap battles of history and like uh, barely political doing key of awesome kind of stuff where they like would do a parody of call me maybe and have it be with like obama and mitt romney basically <laughs> like that was that was peak 2012 so that actually is like it feels dated now but it's actually perfect when you think about oh well gravity falls is set in 2012 so that makes sense yeah it's just one of those things that it, it also came out of nowhere and given how alex yeah. is usually so protective of the gravity falls brand and what what disney does with it as least as much as he can be for them to drop this in the year what was it 2021 2021 mm -hmm. yeah that, that was just uh, that was really really insane oh but did you guys see um speaking of uh um possibly unauthorized gravity falls stuff okay this i gotta see Oh, is is that is that the uh, the one that has the infamous shot that's clearly just a screen grab from the 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 what is it the media player? Um, I think so. Where you can see the play button. Probably, I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't even scrolled through. Or, or scrolled through. Look through this whole thing. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to dive into this a little later. But um, as far as I can tell, Alex was not involved in that book because, like, it's just recapping episodes. Yeah, it's like it's like a cheap version of the journal, which kind of already existed with the the Dipper and Mabel's Guide to Mystery and Fun thing that was now available for free on uh, Kindle. Yay! Uh, yay! That one's actually fun. I like that one because it's got some fun little uh, hidden character things. One of which being that. When Mabel wakes up from a nightmare, she meows herself back to sleep. I'm like, that's adorable. And that, that does feel like Mabel, yeah. That does feel like Mabel. Yeah. Um, I feel like out of all of the shorts, um, Call Me, uh, out of all the broken karaoke shorts that I saw, I feel like Call Me Mabel is probably my favorite. Yeah, Call Me Mabel is my favorite. Um, so the sidekicks short... Um, mm. It's kind of a fun idea because it puts all of these um, characters from different shows together in a room and like Polly and Remy are leading them in a rap song. The problem is most of them don't actually do anything. They kind of just mm -hmm. like sit there because it's obvious that they didn't want to pay all these voice actors to come back. Which my question is, if you've got an idea this fun and you're not going to pay for all these voice actors to come in and do bits for this, then why do it? 
See, kids, this was my multiverse of madness. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Bruce Campbell? See, that... that uh, he, plays, know, he plays Rufus the Naked Mole Rat. Ah, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> Everything old is new, is new again because this is the exact same joke going around on Twitter in 2019 when Endgame was out and people were like, this was my Avengers Endgame. <laughs> nothing Avengers has changed. Endgame. This is literally <laughs> the exact same joke. There's nothing new about it. <laughs> Some things never change. Well, like the jokes they use on Twitter.com. Well, with the... With the um, the finale of amphibia and this is this is this episode's gonna have probably a few amphibia spoilers because we all just watched the finale um mm -hmm. so um at the end and towards the end where Anne is in like the place between you know the, the place that's like between dimensions or whatever that is you know the yeah just wave hi to the aliens from crystal skull while you're over there yeah the place where the the celestial being that has been watching you know that, that's like the watcher basically and and presents itself as her cat uh, I'm just like, well, so this is the good version of the dude from Cosmic Rewind. <laughs> I'm just delighted that her um, Novocaine-induced delirium was actually correct. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you just got to be careful with Matt Braley around um, future shows because a one-off joke may turn out to be foreshadowing. Right? <laughs> that, that's it example of just amphibia's you know just pitch perfect setup and payoff oh my goodness mm. yeah um uh, so the sidekick short um um hop hop show hop hop shows up and he's like hey i'm a i'm a sidekick and remy's like you're really more of like a a, a kindly elder and polly's like just let him have this <laughs> um, you're kind of wondering why Hop Hop is there for the entire thing. Um, and then the ending happens. And then the ending happens, and it's like, oh, this is perfect. Um, well, because at the end, Cricket shows up and is like trying to be a part of it. And Remy's like, no, this isn't for you. Go away. We'll hang out later, I promise. Be gone, Protag. Another example of the, the voice they got being somebody who's readily available, which is, I want to say it's Chris Hewton who voices him. Uh, who created the show. Oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. <laughs> I can't help but feel like Gilbert Gottfried mid-roast is the one who created the idea for the voice direction of this show. Because if there's one thing we know, it's that they're available. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, then Remy asked Goofy if they got the footage, and he's like, yep, we got it. Um, and it's, uh, DuckTales and it's like, 2017, Goofy. Goofy. Yeah. What, what is it? It is DuckTales 2017 Goofy from yes, the Quack Pack episode. Yes, it's Quack Pack episode Goofy. Yeah. Uh, not Mickey Shorts Goofy. Uh, and the Hop Hop walks up to him and is like, do I know you from somewhere? And we're just like, okay, this made the whole thing worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. Love Bill Farmer. But yeah, like mm -hmm. in this short, it's like, okay, so we have um, King and Hootie and like Harry the Platypus who, I don't know who decided he was a sidekick. He, uh, he he only ever functions as a sidekick to Phineas and Ferb in the movie, and even then, he's not a sidekick, so... Um... And, I mean, Isabella, I would argue, okay, fine, she's a sidekick. Lena, hmm. yeah, sure. You know, like, some of these characters, it makes sense that they're here, but other ones, it's just like, it, it feels like some of them were drawn out of a hat. I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, it you know it's 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 about the fun and seeing all the different characters. Yeah, it's not just throwing people you know not not throwing people into into an actual blender. <laughs> it's about throwing characters into a, a metaphorical blender. This is not Halloween Horror Nights. Well, uh, Micah's gonna have a field day animating this one. <laughs> if he's still, he hasn't done that in a while though. Oh yeah. You guys want to talk about the amphibia finale? Yes, please. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. It was so good. Oh my god. This episode's gonna have major spoilers for the amphibia finale, by the way. <laughs> Turn back now or find it through a perfectly legal means. Disney Now! Available through your cable provider, or if you work for the Walt Disney Company, just scroll down, click the Walt Disney Company, and enter your information you would use to walk into the pub. Da, 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 da. That's how I get it for free, so that's nice. Um, so, yeah, of course, um, coming off of All In, which was like, and we obviously didn't get a chance to talk about it on the podcast just because it just happened last week, and, Mm. um, I didn't have time to record an episode last week, (laughs) um, but, yeah, that whole thing, oh my goodness, it was so good, just like, because it felt like... It felt like, you know, Weird Mageddon, if Weird Mageddon had, you know, Bill's plan to, to take over the world had actually been successful mm, in, a, yeah. in a way, you know, because like, it, you know, it, in the episodes leading up to it, it's like you don't think everything's going to like go perfectly for Andreas and it's going to happen right away. And then it does. But then you realize how many episodes are left and you're like, oh, yeah, of course it has to. Yeah. It's a uh, solid three-part structure. Just the whole ending is like, you know, beginning of the end is let's do the battle on Amphibia with all the Amphibia characters. Then part two is the battle on Earth, which is let's resolve the Earth story and Sasha and Darcy and the planters with the which herons. Which so, so good. And then, yeah, and then the, the, third, the third act of it is really let's resolve everything with the core and the lore that we had set up that hadn't been paid off yet and give the show a proper send-off. Yeah. The and third act is Moonfall. Yeah, the, thir- thir- the third <laughs> act is Moonfall. Um, and I feel like this third act has been kind of controversial among the fan base um, just based on what I've been seeing. Um because a lot of people seem to be really unhappy with the resolution to um, specifically the girls' friendship. Because obviously they, well, I mean, and we were kind of talking about this with um, the Owl House with uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Um, obviously the, um, you know, the characters have to return home from their adventure at some point. But with the Owl House, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, but... All, all that Luz really has for her on Earth is her mom, whereas, you know, I think Sasha, Anne, and Marcy have more going for them on Earth. But still, it's like, you know, it has to end at some point. They can't all stay in Amphibia forever. Yeah, kind of the same inevitability of the show ending uh, with everyone going their separate ways as Gravity Falls, because, you right. know, summer can't last forever. Right, exactly. 
you know, I think it's, and, and we should probably go through the plot of the episode and then kind of discuss this a little more. Um, so basically, the after after successfully um, defeating Andreas and the core, which by the way, Andreas is like mostly robot. He's basically giant Darth Vader. Yeah, which I can get behind. Darth yeah. Vader is one of my all-time favorite characters. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> Don't be hating. <laughs> uh, but... I, I love how the, the plot of this episode is thinking, oh, you thought you were watching Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild? Bam, Majora's Mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, because basically um, at the end of the episode, um, at, like at the end of uh, of All In, Everyone's kind of, you know, you think it's kind of like, oh, well, this is like the last, like, maybe 10 minutes, you know, before, you know, and it's like, we're getting to like, oh, everyone's saying their goodbyes and heading back home. But then it's like, wait, why is the moon getting closer? And so the beginning of uh, uh, the beginning of the hardest thing is pulling, pulling the camera back to the other direction, which I always love in anything. Uh, yeah. And seeing the core, like, sneak off and rocket itself to the moon and just like turn the moon into a battering ram to destroy the 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 planet because the core is a sore loser yeah the core is literally a sore loser as as sasha exclaims and also confirming that uh amphibia is a planet you know that was that was in hot debate for a while was it just a flat land mass or flat flat amphibia (laughs) is there a term for that do we have flat amphibians (laughs) Amphibolands? Uh, insert your own clip from that uh, Flat Earth episode of Inside Job here. <laughs> the edge of the world. <laughs> God, I love Inside <laughs> Job. Uh, Ooh, there's an April Fool's episode. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, that would, that would be good. Uh, I mean, it does have Alex Hirsch, just since. Well, he's like produced it or something. His show at Netflix yeah, isn't close like enough. I'm like, of course it isn't because Netflix has decided that we can't have nice things. But here, here's your show about is it cake? <laughs> Even ABC yeah, should is we... better than that because at least they have Holy Moly, which is awesome. Uh, do you think we should treat our animators right and not divide up seasons into multiple... Uh, not not divide up a big season into multiple little seasons to avoid paying it. Nah, let's have cake. Let's have cake. Yeah, I let think, them I eat think cake. The the best thing about Netflix is literally Marie Antoinette. <laughs> oh my god. The thing is, all of I agree with Matt Pat. All, pretty much all of Netflix's problems would be solved by just slowing the hell down and releasing stuff on a weekly basis. Don't greenlight everything mm-hmm. that comes to you, and actually give it a chance to be promoted. Not just you know physically promoting it using paid advertisement, but also like let your let your viewers actually like spread the word. Because yeah. I don't have, I don't feel like I ever have time to watch anything on Netflix before it's all just like spoiled by the couple people that do actually watch it. And it's like well okay, I have no reason to watch that now. Mm. Yeah, I think the weekly format has been has been proven superior. It was it was certainly it was cool to do the binge drop for a time. But I think in in culture, just the longevity and the the pace keeping that releasing weekly allows to do it's all about the water yep. cooler. You know, I mean, even even back in the day, you know, you'd had a you had members of parliament gathering water cooler style on Monday to talk about the previous night's episode of the Muppet show. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you it's, don't it's, get that if you're releasing all the episodes at once. It, here's, here's the, the kind of the proof of the pudding in, 
in terms of cultural impact that the um the the water cooler week to week method does over the binging method uh week to week people are still making memes and references about the mandalorian we were yes. all stoked when you know he turned up again in the book of boba fett yeah is anyone still making stranger things memes not really sometimes but uh wasn't that a slurpy meme that was the last season three meme that i remember yeah no one's really talking about shows that dump everything in one go anymore i think it was almost more interesting when netflix actually dropped um parts one two and three of fear street separately because that was actually like a, a mini series yeah i think the the format that netflix works best with is honestly the dreamworks shows where they're just greenlit for their entire series run and they come out every six months yeah the yeah that's actually worked really well that that has been successful but that's just because they plan ahead but i think and their shows it, i think don't cost that much to make compared to maybe some other ones yeah it's, it's tough as a viewer because it's like i know i personally prefer binging shows i'll like i'll sometimes mm -hmm. just wait until the whole thing's out because story-wise i like seeing the connections and i process everything better all at once but i also get that for the show to succeed really the best thing is for that that week to week release even if that's not my preferred way to watch anything yeah yeah i think there's room for both of them as long as like i i think i think kind of the hybrid method that's cropped up with disney plus has been okay so the shows that we're still releasing weekly on disney channel we're gonna release like five or so episodes at a time on disney plus i think that's a good way to do it yeah yeah um, so going back to the episode, um, it, it, it's funny because um, um, the the ground starts shaking after everyone's like freaking out, freaking out about the moon, and Polly's like, "An earthquake? Aren't we dealing with enough right now?" And then Mother Olm pops up and is like, "Oh yeah, so the prophecy." Um, <laughs> and although kind, uh, kind of backing up to that poly line of an earthquake isn't this enough i'm just like yep this show was made in california all right <laughs> yeah that's one thing i kind of would love to do as a video by the way is um do a video where it's like hey these are the real life locations that inspired um parts of season three of amphibia Ooh. that could be that one that would be cool yeah I mean, it's not like I don't go to California at least once a year, you know? Or I, I just it's, want... not like, it's not like I go to California at least once a year, you know? Just come over and get me into Disney for free, and then we'll be chums all day. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I, like I said, I'm, I'm probably going to D23 this year. Because, like, the, the days off yeah. that I have, I'm like, oh, that lines up perfectly. What was her name that, that was, like, basically kind of the keeper of the Calamity Powers? I don't know, but I remember that she had uh, crazy red eyes and brown uh, brown scales. Yeah. Valeriana? What was her name? Valeriana. Valeriana, yeah. Uh, Valeriana so and the system of 10,000 planets. She's just there and, and everyone, you know, one of the lampshades, the fact it's like, how did she, when did she get here? Why is she, but like, she just showed up here. <laughs> it's the force. It's the force, bitch. <laughs> um... Oh, just and, please uh, put a clip in to of Tony in there, please. When, and <laughs> Mother Olm also uh, mentions to Anne that there is a secret spell that um, if the three of them aren't enough together to stop um, the core, that there's a secret spell that one of them can take on the power of all three of the stones and essentially, like, you know, go essentially go like nuclear with the power more or less. But it would probably result in the death of whoever does that. 
Why was anyone else getting uh, White Lantern flashbacks there? Or is it just me as the designated nerd of the group? I was gonna say I haven't seen that, so I wouldn't know. No, I haven't either. But I, I, do I unfortunately don't watch nearly enough anime. Oh no, it's not an anime. The White Lanterns was an um uh, something that popped up in the original Blackest Night oh, uh, okay. Green Lantern event. Oh okay. I do think that it's weird that they chose to establish this new power so late in the series for how crucial it is to this episode. Like, yeah. is usually pretty good at setting things up, but I feel like that was something they kind of like were like, okay, well, we've had the other two main character or major characters. We've had Sasha and Marcy have near death experiences, so now we need to have Anne just have an actual death experience for a little bit there like uh like uh and this is obviously skipping way ahead but the, like uh you know deathly hollows well you're dead but not really kind of thing yeah you're dead be, you're dead but the author says you're not yeah you're dead but the author says you're not um and so there the three of them get uh, all charged up with their calamity powers and it's just absolutely gorgeous just delightful amazing anime goodness oh my god so just you're saying matt of... braley watched dbz yes up. yes <laughs> yeah the three the three girls with the so yeah and sasha and marcy with their calamity powers was just that that had to have been an absolute blast to animate oh my gosh yeah, that's that's my I think my new favorite scene in the show just that oh whole new God. no big deal remix. So are we getting mm. uh are we getting a one perfect uh one perfect scene from you? Maybe maybe I feel maybe. like that won't be a harder one to quantify because it's yeah more... it's just it it's just good I like it. Yes, very much so. <laughs> it's just it had good. the lasers and the shiny hair it and the cool the... armor and I like it. It yeah. had the colors. It was <laughs> colorful. It was. It was in space. I'll just pull up the uh, uh, Bojack Horseman audio of him with the kaleidoscope shapes and colors. That's like people trying to like nitpick the plot of Cosmic Rewind. I'm like, we go we in space. I don't know what else you want. <laughs> I, I just like the mentality of just shut up and enjoy the fireworks. Like just shut up and enjoy the fireworks. Exactly. People would mm. complain Although, about it either way. People didn't like Gringotts because they're like, oh, you, you tried to do too much story on a coaster. I wanted more coaster. Now well, Guardians. I, I, I like, did want more coaster, and Cosmic Rewind gives me exactly that. I, I, I wish Gringotts was a little more coaster because I feel like Forbidden Journey was so much the, you know, the the cool story ride. I mean, obviously it still has the good thrill level, but you know, I think Gringotts it could have benefited from at least a little more coastering because, like, you know, after that, the. You know what I found out actually is really funny that the the first mm -hmm. part where the where the track tilts is called the Potter Totter. That is the official <laughs> name for it. It is the Potter Totter. I'm like that is so funny. I love that. <laughs> I love that element and that and especially right in the back that drop is really fun. But then like most of the ride track is just flat. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really do like it's all just like Spider Man. I'm like it would have been more fun if we had had I think more you know more hills and but i i guess they're like well we want to have the story elements so we'd have to kind of sacrifice on the coaster part but i think that's what works so good about i know we're going to talk more about this in the, the episode a few weeks from now but that's what's so good about cosmic rewind is it's able to balance those two and i think that's really cool uh, yeah. so you're saying they learned uh, good lessons from the incredicoaster 
Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the Feta Coaster, you're like, and it's the same problem I have with Hyperspace Mountain. Again, we'll go into this later. Um, but I think that's what even Mission Breakout does so well, is it's like you're still moving while stuff is happening. Hmm. Um, but anyways, um, uh, so yeah, the, that, the other big thing that happens is that, um, the core is still trying to talk to Andreas, specifically his dad, and Andreas, um, calls on the robots, and, of, and at first, Grime is like, is like, are you kidding me? And then the robots actually help try to push the moon back into it where it's supposed to be, and... Um, he destroys his connection to Andreas destroys his connection to the core and is like, I'm tr- I'm finally doing something right for once. And so I, about I to get thinking, super nerdy. I wasn't thinking that we were gonna have a redeemed Andreas, but I I I feel like they earned it after the setup for it. I yeah. think they really earned it. So about to get super nerdy, but with the main villain here, um uh, like crushing his connection to uh, the core and with it being like having, you know, I imagery and all that. I think another anime that Matt Braley watched a lot was Yu-Gi-Oh! Because, oh, because the same thing kind of happens with uh, Merrick Ishtar in the Battle City arc. Where, you know, okay. his darker half takes over and um, Merrick returns at the very end and just completely obliterates his connection to his darker half which is represented at the end with an eye okay if you want a quicker version of this watch uh little kribo's Yu-Gi-Oh abridged plugo plugo <laughs> yeah i never doubted that andreas was going to be redeemed because you wouldn't you wouldn't make the episode the core and the king if you weren't going to redeem him you oh would. yeah well i think mm. i think when that episode come, came out i'm like okay they are going to have him be redeemed but before then i was like yeah i don't know plus for once keith richards was playing you know a nice upbeat guy <laughs> i mean it, it's a little soon after him playing uh manny uh, uh manny the horse from um ducktales where he's also revealed to be just a nice guy but with keith richards booming voice he was also the narrator for the spring short of the Mickey Mouse shorts. Hmm. Or the spring. Still need to get around to watching that one. Yeah, I was supposed to. I was. I was wanting to do an episode of the podcast, but then I got dominated by school. So. Yep. Yep. Um. So the yeah. three of them and the robots. Um, the robots just go out like popcorn. Yeah, and Anna realizes that it's not going to be. Um, enough to stop the core, just the three of the, well, with the three of them. So, um, she tells, um, Sasha and Marcy that she's going to essentially sacrifice herself to save everyone. And there was actually a moment we kind of glossed over where, you know, the, the people of Amphibia are like, well, you know, it's your choice to try to save us or just go back home. And they're like, are you kidding? Of course, we're going to try to save you. Um, cause it's like, Finally, obviously good people. I mean, yeah, of course, because first of all, they're, they're, you know, people. Second of all, they're their friends, you know, and and that, that's, I think, one of the major themes overall is that it's, you know, even though they're going to end up leaving all this behind, it's still part of them. It's still changed them, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and so Sasha and Marcy um, go back down to... Um, I, I, uh, not Earth, but you know the planet. They go back down mm-hmm. to Amphibia, 
And, and I, I liked that plot point that they mentioned of like, you know, our bodies aren't used to this energy yet like yours has been. So, of course, we're going to be the ones that fold first. Right. Yeah, that did make sense, especially after True Colors and how Anne faded fast and continued to throughout. SMG. Yeah. Hmm. And so, um, so yeah, Anne basically, you know, asks the stones to give her the ultimate power and she's able to basically uh, completely blow up the moon. <laughs> That's the power of please, kids. Yeah. But that would mean, yes, no more stupid songs about moons. I do despise moon-related songs. Continue. <laughs> that was just immediately what I thought when I saw that. I'm like, oh, okay, so she's successfully blowing up the moon. There we go. This has been another obligatory Phineas and Ferb joke. Yay. Because <laughs> we have to. Uh, <laughs> and then she um, falls back down to amphibia and um there's kind of a, a a tearful goodbye and then suppose you know you know you, basically she like fades away from existence like you know kind of like voldemort did at the end of uh deathly hallows part two the movie not the book and again i'm sorry we're referencing harry potter so much but there are some similar fantasy tropes that that's the closest reference i can think of i'm sure there's other things that have done it like that I also got kind of um, of uh, like she was made out of uh, stone after using that. Like yeah. she kind of stoned out. Yeah. Kind yeah, yeah. of like how Vegeta went out when trying to uh, kill Majin Buu. Okay. Making a lot of anime references this episode. Yeah. What's an anime? <laughs> We're just going to have. We have much to discuss. Oh, please. That'd be a fun April Fool's joke where we yeah, just do swords. an ep an episode on uh, Disney's dub of Beyblade, but ah. approach it like um, uh, Tony did with st with the Star Wars episode Star Wars. of us just trying to wrap our heads around it being an what anime. This show, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're like, we're like, um, I've got so many possible ideas for April Fool's Day episodes, and there's only one April Fool's Day every year. Um, uh. But yeah, and the thing is, like, Anne basically, Anne dies, and then it cuts to commercial. I'm like, wait. <laughs> we'll be right back with Amphibia. <laughs> we'll be on right Disney. back on Disney Channel. I'm like, what? <laughs> wait. I don't care about commercials for toys. Get me back to the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and then, like we said, she wakes up in this basically, like, you know, um... So if you've seen Multiverse of Madness, it kind of reminds me a little bit of that like dimension where like it, it, it the dimension that's like at the beginning of the movie kind of where it's like, you know, there's stuff that's mm. just floating in spaces and it's but the less sharp objects to be impaled on. Yes. Yeah. But it's that kind of thing. It's like a, it's like a world between worlds or something like that, you know, um, mm -hmm. but basically. Uh, and. Um, goes into the house and finds um, what she thinks is um, Domino. Well, actually, no. No, she doesn't find Domino. Um, first, she finds uh, um, an old computer um, and she starts typing on it and is answered back by um, the this kind of... I forget what the actual name was on the screen. I'd have to look at it, but it was... 
Uh, some kind of cosmic being, I think. Well, yeah, like, I'm trying to remember the username. Hold on, let me go back to the episode. I want to say it was uh, Calamity Stone's deity. Or three yeah, three. something like that. Stone's deity. It's just half of the Infinity Stones, but just with twice the mo as much power. Yeah, they, they basically... <laughs> go figure, they are kind of like the Infinity Stones in a way. Except mm. they are actually able to be wielded by humans. They just... Uh, uh, not for very long. But they won't, they won't kill you, they just really drain your energy. And you don't have to yeet any female characters off a cliff to get them. Yay. This is true. Well, then again, Anne did kind of yeet Sasha off the cliff, so... Yeah. Sasha yeeted herself off that cliff. <laughs> Lean on me! <laughs> that is the best use of a licensed song in a Disney Channel show. And the set... Or maybe... Actually, yeah, I would say it's the best, and the second best is All I Do Is Win at Scrooge's Funeral <laughs> with Glomold. Yes. That was fun. <laughs> yes. Oh, side tangent, because I'm getting the ad for this right now. I'm really mad because I went out of my way to collect... Hold on. To collect these goddamn Happy Meal toys. Mm -hmm. And then, guess what? They're all back. They have brought them back to promote the 50th anniversary <laughs> because the old 50th anniversary toys they had sucked. Because they're just like, based on the statues that are around the parks, I'm like, those are cool photo opportunities. They're not good toys. These were better 50th anniversary toys, and lo and behold, they brought them back. I have the mm. dinosaur one just because I like dinosaur. Because these are actually awesome. They like they have fun movement and they all link together. It, they're cool. So. I wouldn't know. I've just been making a habit of getting the new uh, Lego Muppets figures. Yay! I love that. Yay! First four I had to get were uh, Kermit, Gonzo, Fozzie, and Piggy, because, you know, gotta have them first. Of course. Um, but yeah, so basically she's typing on the computer and chatting with the, um, the kind of protector or watcher of the stones, um, and... Depressingly, like, yeah. not voiced by Jeffrey Wright. Not voiced by Jeffrey Wright? Unfortunately, no. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't look in the credits to see who it was. I'm getting the same ad again. Um, and then the computer transforms into, uh... Um, her cat Domino, <laughs> which, um, as we referenced earlier, there was a joke in um, one of the episodes where um, she was back at home with her parents and yeah. her, her parents <laughs> took her to the dentist and she came back home and said that Domino is not just a cat. She's the Alpha and Omega. She's like the key to the universe. <laughs> that was foreshadowing. Yeah. Oh, that wacky Matt Braley. I got very super yeah, Mario Three Stones Deity is the name of the Yeah, uh, kinda. What did you say, Jonathan? I got very Super Mario Galaxy vibes from that whole scene. It, mm. it felt very much like when you're talking to Rosalina. Oh yeah. Mario Galaxy and her mouth isn't really moving. But you're just you're just kind of reading and, and hearing. And like just like Collins the little planet in the middle of all the stars and the quiet yeah. music, yeah. 
And in yet another uh, plot point uh, taken from Dragon Ball, um, uh, the Supreme Being kind of offers her job to Anne, kind of like how Kami tried to pawn off his uh, job on Goku at the end yeah. of Dragon Ball. And um, of, of course, Anne is like, you know, I'm a 13-year-old kid. I don't know how to do this. I don't want to be the watcher. I don't want to get my ass kicked by Ultron. <laughs> the cosmic being tired. I, I love I love when uh when Anne picks up the the Guardian and 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 not and when when the Guardian is So yeah, she's talking with the Watcher Cat, which is what I'm going to call uh Domino the Watcher Cat from now on. Um uh, Mewatu. Mewatu. Yes. <laughs> And I love how she she uh, picks picks um, picks Domino up and snuggles with her, and and, and Domino's like, oh, none of that. <laughs> it's kind of like Nibbler at Fu in Futurama, where Fry and Leela, you know, uh, cuddle the High Council of Nibblers. And the Watcher kind of explains that um, uh, that um, they created a copy of Anne right before she died. And she's like, well, that's going to cause some serious existential dread later on. Yeah. Which kind of reminds me of clip. the video. Um, I forget who it was from, um, but there was a video that they did about like the, the transporters from Star Trek where it's like, oh, perfectly harmless. Or is it actually a suicide box? Hmm. Like, wow. <laughs> so I, I feel like we've just all dread. We, we've just all watched the prestige too many times and so it's just making us scared about teleportation <laughs> just a watcher or a viewer i'm not in the demographic though <laughs> that was a good line <laughs> hey why don't we do a beach day well if we had time for 20 more episodes i haven't caught up on owl house yet oh man be careful yeah, they have one line that i'm like oh this is totally a dig and it's great be careful chira that's a lot of sodium <laughs> <laughs> i'm not in the demographic and you look like my cat because my human form would make your human brain explode and it's no, like, oh, i've seen see some that. pretty crazy <laughs> snuggle that to your face and oh my goodness go and be yeah. snuggly with that i, I love it. i love that it's so good you see the guardian kind of like it's a general like griffin type lion form it's like very regal towards the end of the sequence which yeah is really which is awesome i love that the guardian is trying to give Anne their job which Anne basically responds like you said yeah i'm a 13 year old kid i'm still learning and growing um and the guardian's like, well, hey, maybe in like, maybe in like eighty-seven years, you could take over for me. Sounds great. Wait, I'm gonna die in eighty-seven years. <laughs> Editor Chandler here. Um, it was actually seventy-eight years, not eighty-three years. So, uh, you know, just correcting that number. Well, that would that would make her a hundred, right? Hmm. If she if she's thirteen, which again, the show. I feel like the show itself has conflicting feelings about this. Yeah. I feel like Matt was always like, no, they're older than that. It's like, well, actually, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. just said when he posted today, they're 23 in the epilogue. So that would make them all 13. Yep. Which at least that adds up with some of the information the show has given us and makes more sense than actor age where it's 10 years in the future, but they're all 18. 
<laughs> Wait, Maya, are already, we still are, are we still kind of piece. salty about that? I've already said my piece. <laughs> Carly was literally literally like, "Well, I can delete an episode of Phineas and Ferb from my brain, so I can delete an episode of Amphibia." I'm like, "Well, <laughs> fair enough." I don't I don't get how you can delete an episode completely like that i feel like that's that's kind of tough you can say that you don't like it but like yeah well mm-hmm. uh i think i think you can ignore actor age entirely and it doesn't matter uh, yeah actor age is easier to do that with than... i feel like the finale is kind of harder to uh, ignore the hardest the thing is literally <laughs> it, in, it a, is... in a more serialized show for sure yeah, yeah. Uh, the ending just made me just almost cry. It was so yeah. good. Oh my gosh! Because basically, yeah. yeah, Anne gets sent back, and obviously, it's a you know everyone's relieved that she's okay. Um, and then of course comes the moment we've all been waiting for to you know break our hearts is everyone having to say goodbye because basically, um, what Anne has given is fragments of the stones that are a one way trip. Yeah. Yeah, just enough juice no, for one more go. Yeah, no trips back. No, no extra, uh, no extra things of plutonium for the return trip. No more isekai. Yeah. Although um, many people have noted that Terry did make a portal without the calamity box. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, there is. <sighs> it does take a lot of power, I mean, and it kind of got blowed up. Oh yeah, I mean they could build a new one. Certainly they could build one. But and it I also like... needed Anne's power yeah. to uh, well, yeah, juice it up. If you travel through dimensions, going clockwise makes it easy. Going counterclockwise would take eight million gigawatts of energy, overloading the local power grid. I know it needs a chorus. We got one last sprint against the world, oh, and it yes. almost made me cry. I mean... Because of course we had uh, Marcy with Olivia and Yunin and Andreas even Andreas being like you know see a kiddo yeah yeah that was Which, really oh man and <laughs> Sasha and Grime trying to keep it together and then just <laughs> not failing I just love Grime's facial expressions all throughout that of him just ugly crying and it was freaking great. Yeah, Sasha and Grimes' goodbye was my other favorite scene. That was yeah. just with the 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 way Heart Stomper was arranged. Yeah, them and and that was that was so good. Yeah, sad we didn't get a Percy and Braddock moment in the end. Yeah, but I guess it makes their absence yeah. hit that much harder when they leave in season two. I think their voice actors were busy. They could have been. I mean, they also just didn't have a role to play. I mean, they were kind of like done. It would have been nice to see Sasha make amends, but you know, it works that she didn't. I think the biggest thing that I think was the missed opportunity, other than Sasha and Marcy's parents, which, you know, a lot of you people never see talked them about, ever. is mm. that um they uh wait, what was it? I had it. I lost it. Oh well. The yeah, uh, so the the one time trip for the for the stones the music box actually disintegrates afterwards it does we also kind of thought it was going to be like a choice that they had to make to destroy it or somebody would like threaten to destroy it but it just kind of happened naturally yeah Hmm. oh not not sure if i should make an aladdin return of jafar joke or a ducktales treasure of the lost lamp joke (laughs) with it crumbling away hmm 
I remember what the missed opportunity was. It was not exploring how the Calamity Box was rigged to transport the girls to Amphibia just when they opened it. In the start oh, yeah! Of the it, it never functions like that at any other point during the series where you just open it and it, it causes teleportation. And also, the Calamity Box, you know, what, what was its journey? Because when Leaf brought it to Earth, that was, like, in the time of the Vikings. So it's been on Earth for a little over 900 years, almost a 1,000 years. And what's what's the journey of the box during that time? Obviously, the thrift shop in America both did not exist when the box was brought to Earth. So yeah. Not with that attitude. Who's used it and who... Like, why is the little cabinet that it was on have the Amphibia logo? Like, I feel like there could be a whole mini-series about the box and people who used it. Comic yes. books, comic books, comic <laughs> books. Now, this is a prequel show I can get behind. Not that Song of Ice and Fire, House of the Dragons, whatever-ness going on with Game of Thrones. Give us all the spinoff media for Amphibia and the Owl House, please. Yes, do. Yep. Disney won't. They couldn't even get the Phineas and Ferb spinoff to work. Yeah. That was one thing with the with the sidekicks um thing that I forgot to mention. They'll offer us spin-offs they're all, they'll offer us spin-offs, but we'll say no way. <laughs> yeah, like, Perry and Isabella. Or be both. In development hell forever. Mm. Both heads. I, I was like, where is Isabella in this shot? She needs to be in this shot. <laughs> they were working on supposedly a Fireside Girl spin-off forever and that didn't happen. Yeah, it's a shame. I like the idea of that being like a parallel show that would be like, you know, well, this was happening while this Phineas and Ferb episode was happening. I'm like, that would have been cool. Just have the shot of the roller coaster collapsing just in the background of a of an of the pilot or something. Yeah, even though Isabella was riding the roller coaster, so it would have to be the rest of the Fireside Girls. Yeah, details. Where the heck is Isabella? I don't know. <laughs> hey, where's Isabella? Hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah Ann An and Sprigs goodbye oh my goodness that 360 shot was really good oh yes the animation is just top notch I wish I could see this in a theater you know man if I had to nickel for every time there was a really good 360 shot in a Disney Channel show I'd have two nickels which isn't a lot, but it's weird. Which isn't a lot, twice. but it's weird. It happened twice. I wonder if they actually got the people that did that shot from uh, Tangled, the the big 360 shot, to do the 360 shot here. Oh, maybe because Tangled so. was Mercury Filmworks, so yeah, Amphibia Studios all Korean, so yeah, yeah, okay. All those okay. all those, uh, all those lovely Korean animators overseas, we love you, Korea. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> South Korea, not North Korea. Hmm. You know what's funny is there's a list of countries we're not allowed to ship things to, um, uh, like like in the Emporium and just for merchandise in general. Um hmm. so for merchandise there's a list of countries we're not allowed to ship to. And included in them are like Syria and North Korea. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> no shit. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> um so anyways, yeah. Um spring. Ten years later. And yeah, we get an epilogue of ten years later. Um 
Frog Polly is weird. Yeah, I'm not used to it just because obviously we've seen her as this little polywog the whole time. I'm sure if there was like a spinoff or something that I would get used to it. And oh, seriously, yeah. there is still like they could do a spinoff if they wanted to. And it would be really cool. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they'd ever do it. And somehow the old lady frog is still kicking. I'm just like, wow. I, I I will note the actual amphibia part of the of the flash forward isn't necessarily ten years. The ten years oh yeah doesn't happen till the human yeah it's part. not ten years yeah I don't think the amphibia is part it is though years. I'd say the amphibia part can't be more than I'd say maybe five to six years yeah year. and Largo's back to normal now yeah he's back to normal <laughs> he skipped he he took a cheap day. <laughs> Oh, and uh, and Toadie's the mayor Aww. now. Toadie is the mayor, which is perfect. He needed his his art. Yay! Yay! Constituents don't pri- constituents don't. Any town themselves. with Jack McBrayer as the mayor is good town. <laughs> and Olivia and Unit are together. <laughs> yes. Yay! Because <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Unit does her whole thing, and Olivia's just like, I know, sweetheart, we all know. Scourge of the Sandwolves, defeater of Ragnar the Wretched. <laughs> and then Sprigg is in the, the basement with, oh, and Anne gives Sprigg her phone, which well, I guess is permanently supercharged from when from that one episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll assume that. I th- I think it's great. There's so many little details, like Chuck has opened a Tulip Emporium. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Sparrow and Bessie the Snail had snail, snail, snail bird babies. Yeah, it's just um, like Donkey and the Dragon. We will not think about the details of that. Nope, 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 nope. And uh, back away, Deviant Art. Back away. Ivy, I love, I love how Ivy grew her hair out. I, I think that looks great. Yeah. yeah. Embrace and she used to hide her hair because she didn't like it. She had her hair under her habit. Sprig's like, I like your hair. Yeah, and so Sprig so cute globe trotting adventure and amphibia would be. Yeah, I I would watch a whole Sprig and Ivy series. I would. They, yeah, did anyone else perfect. notice how Sprig is kind of uh like just a dipper now with all the uh a book with with the journal that he's making at the very end of all the weird stuff. Yeah. I thought that was kind of crazy, and, and then they, of course, and they unveil a statue of Anne. Yes, very sweet. It's a statue of Anne. And then we cut to what? ten years later at LAX, and it still looks the same. The theme building is still not open. Yep. <laughs> and the most unrealistic thing was that, like, the air in LA is clear. Ah, yeah. Like, it actually looks like a nice day over there. Like, I know LAX is uh, nearish to the coast, so the air does get clearer there, but still, though, come on. <laughs> uh, they weren't going to make it look like... Well, the, the The most realistic thing about LA in the whole show is that there's, like, the horrendous traffic. Mm. Yeah, we're, we're nitpicking about weather conditions and traffic in a show where it's uh, featuring talking frogs. Yes. <laughs> yeah so sasha um is getting a psych degree what was marcy doing um, web comics web comics. that's right yeah, that's right 
And Anne is a herpetologist. Yes, yes. which I love that. Which is very That's good. So great. She's and, in this frog exhibit at the aquarium teaching kids about frogs. And, she and named the a little pig named frog. Amphibia. I'm like, oh. All the little details in the Amphibia exhibit, or, or the exhibit named Amphibia. The exhibit named Amphibia. Yes, very good. I love that. Very much wholesome. Just, it was just a very good ending, just filled me with all the warm and fuzzies and almost made me cry. And, you know, the whole point of, you know, how they kind of grew apart, and because there have been some people that have, you know, criticized that and are like, well, how would they grow apart after going through all that together? I'm like, because there's still people and people could still grow apart. Mm-hmm. Oh, my I mean, God. how often? I'm turning my phone off, I swear. <laughs> How often do any of us keep up with people that we knew in high school or middle or school? Middle school, yeah, exactly. exactly. I don't think um, uh, I don't think Peter would be too happy with the uh, the endorsement of an aquarium in a Disney Channel show. Oh, no. oh good, they can suck it. Yeah, <laughs> they can just suck everything. Indeed, Peter is a. <laughs> No, my my uh, friends that are like texting me, do you think Animal Kingdom should partner with PETA? I'm like, absolutely not! PETA is a, literally a terrorist organization. Yeah. Oh my god, they're awful. Anyways, um, yeah, and, and you know, talks about how, you know, even if they grew apart, they'll always share that bond. Yeah. And, and to, to paraphrase... To paraphrase a certain musical, who can say if they've been changed for the better, but they've been changed for good. Yeah. And, and the hey, you change, you'll be surprised what makes its way back to you. Yeah. And some other third quote. Yeah. <laughs> change can be difficult, but it's how we grow. It can be the hardest thing to realize you can't hold on to something forever. Sometimes you have to let it go. It's true. But of the things you let go, you'd be surprised what makes its way back to you. Mm. I love it. it. Oh my gosh! It's and the and the credits with just those beautiful shots of everything. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I I just want to take a little moment and think back to how this crazy journey of watching Amphibia of when I started in 2019 or so when it started. Yeah, up. 2019. In 2019, I was watching the very first episode on my phone in a rush coming back home from the airport. Right. And now just look how far every everything's come from since then. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll always have a special place in my heart for this show because it's not only just been really good, but just been on and around as a constant as times have just gotten crazy and everything has been changing in uh not just in general but just in my life so i'll always have a a, a nice connection to this show and i'll be happy for whatever crumbs and spin-offs and whatnot happen afterward like and the broken karaoke tales. short yes yeah. even chibi tiny tales i'll yes. happily but i i just i love amphibia i yes. love amphibia yeah, I love this show, and I think uh, I think it was a great ending. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I, there's been some people that have you know not been big fans of it that I've seen. What's it like to be wrong? Uh, 
<laughs> well, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I do oh, agree. Yeah. I feel like I think, a lot of I the... Think, I think a lot of the people that are upset about it really... Are, it's just... I think a lot of it really boils down to the shipping and how into the shipping they were, which I, I get it. Yep. But, like, you know what happens when you base the ending of a show around, well, we have to have this ship be endgame. You have an ending of a show where they collide two worlds together that have no business being together and ruin the lives of everyone except for and or possibly including the protagonists. Are we talking about Legend of Korra or Star Versus? Star Versus. Uh, uh, <laughs> I need to watch Korra. I've only seen Avatar The Last Airbender. I, I, I need to watch the rest of Star Versus, but that finale is just like killed my interest in doing so because i'm like the finale is just like how did they get that so wrong season four it really is game of thrones for kids yeah yeah the finale aired like the same day but (laughs) um no no joke they both came out the exact same day but season four stars is overall fine it's just the ending is not a show ending it's not it was not designed as a show ending. I don't. I don't understand how anyone thinks. Oh, we're just gonna, you know, have Earth and Muni be like just collided into one and think, yeah, that's a happy ending for all of our characters. Yeah. Was it not meant to be the end or what? Yeah. They were thinking they were gonna get another season after that. What do you even do? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's plan for our show that's on Disney Channel, which has never, ever had a cartoon last more than four seasons to be longer than four seasons. That's Gee, you should have made Bunked instead. Then you'd be on season nine and counting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the hardest thing for Amphibia. It's yeah. a great episode. Great. I Excellent. loved it. And I'm excited to see what the crew from this show makes next. Amen I'm, to that. Because in the in the tradition of this show, I'm sure that people that worked on this show will get other shows at Disney. Because that's usually how that goes. It's true. Because Matt Braley came off of Big City Greens, didn't he? I think so. Yes. Yeah. So I'm very excited to see what happens next on the channel. I know we're in kind of a, a kind of a, a transitionary period where they're kind of trying to go from. Um, more serialized, more serialized shows to more um, episodic shows, but I hope that they don't completely throw away doing at least some more serialized stuff. Yeah, if they do, or you know, you could always put it on Disney Plus where people will watch it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're That's starting their whole new two D animation division for theatrical, which you know you have TVA just just merge, but you know, you know. Disney's I think to... less merge and more like um, help them hone their talents to make it feature length. More yeah, exactly. Out. I think there's, yeah. I mean, so many of these people are just so talented and can make some incredible stuff for, you know, any any destination. It's not the destination that matters as much as like just making good stuff, really. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is our mini sode that kind of turned into a full episode because uh, yeah, we wanted to talk about the hardest thing in Amphibia and just how awesome Amphibia is. We'll call it a macrosode. A macrosode. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at dgil2295, where you'll find spicy hot movie takes. And of course, my Pete's Dragon live tweet, which will be coming this Tuesday, the 17th, which will probably be after this episode is released. 
And it'll be it'll be a month long endeavor to complete. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> but of course, if you've also followed my Twitter, then you'll know that I have just recently started posting to my TikTok. You'll find me on TikTok at dgill underscore dg1722, because that's my trooper name. And you'll find the occasional um, open-end uh, op-ed video or just of me doing a silly trooper dance. You'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I'll do my outro later. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Starport97 and at the YouTube channel Starport97, as well as this podcast at Ad Podcast Acronym. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. I'm on all the usual places, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and I'm now available on iHeartRadio and Audible. Leave us a review, give us five stars, and share us with your friends. I've got a handful of episodes of my flagship show, Theme Park Backlot, on my YouTube channel. I also visited a whole bunch of parks across the Midwest last summer, and I'm slowly working on getting those vlogs finished. If you want to support me even more, be sure to check out my new and improved Patreon! That's right, I actually have a Patreon again. Patreon.com slash Starport97. Just a dollar a month gets you early access to new episodes of this podcast one day early, and new videos at least one week early. Sometimes more if I haven't finished the next one quite on time. So thank you for joining us for this special bonus episode of the podcast without a cool acronym. And be sure to join us next week for our 50th episode spectacular, all about Chippendale Rescue Rangers 2022, right here on the podcast without a cool acronym. you from somewhere.